Hello, my name is Lauren Sasson. Um, I am 29 years old. I live in Muskegon, Michigan. Um, I am happily married. And this is a story about a miscarriage I had had in the winter of 2020. And I shared this story with my pseudo sister-in-law, uh, Sarah, who is my Hello. brother's wife's sister. Hi, my name is Sarah Epstein. I'm 33 years old. I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm married to Nate. Um, and I have Miriam, who's three as a little girl, and Manny, who's one. Um, I feel like have had um, a connection, which is super lucky because we both kind of gained a sister in this experience. Um, we've both gone through this, like, this shitty thing of miscarriage, which has, I think, been something that you've taken as a real opportunity um, for growth. And so do you, do you want to start by just telling us the story of yeah. how it happened? So I take the test and it's positive and I'm like, what? And um, I never was that great at tracking my cycle at all. I feel like even in like, you know, your high school health classes, you don't truly, truly learn about it. You learn, you get a period and then you don't have one. And then, uh, you know, it's 28 or so days later, you know, things happen. It's, that's all you know. So I had no idea the time, like the time of ovulation. I had no clue, absolutely no clue. So I, I really was just like, well, let's just, um, my birth control had expired in July. I took it out and I said, let's just see what happens. And I must've gotten pregnant, what, a cycle or two after, if I found out that I was, at that point, I thought I was about seven weeks, October 7th. So I think it literally took like one cycle and then I was pregnant. So some weeks go by and I um, kind of wait until I get, I get an official test. I go to some pregnancy center and get um, a test. They were very kind and they gave me that official like paper that said, yep, you're pregnant. And so I took that. I was like calling the doctor. I was like, all right, let's make an OB appointment. And um, this is where it kind of got that limbo motion where I started to worry. Um, I, I wasn't able to get an appointment for late. And because in Michigan, at least, it was like spiking hardcore. The schools were about to go mm -hmm. virtual again. Um, in the beginning of the fall in Michigan, schools were part virtual, part um, in person. You could kind of mm -hmm. decide. And now they were heading towards the full virtual route just because it was getting pretty bad in the fall. Um, so they were like, we don't want to see you until absolutely last minute. So they said, we can get you in around Thanksgiving. And I'm like, if I'm doing the math right, that'll be like 13 weeks. That seems so late to get any answers at all. So I'm completely in the dark from seven weeks until 13 weeks. So I am anxiously waiting. I have no idea how I feel or what's going on. Um, I did experience some spotting, but it was so light. I didn't think anything of it. And I know that that can be completely normal. Yeah. So then I get to that appointment and the, my first ultrasound was not even in the OB department, um, but it was in like the radiology department, uh, like by the ER, because it was the day before Thanksgiving. It was 7.30 at night and I was like, I'll take whatever I can get, just get me in there. And I had a really awful experience with that tech. Um, and so I lay down and obviously I'm excited and giddy, I'm nervous, but excited and and she's doing everything. She's asking me all the questions. When was my last period? All these things. How far along do you think you are? And I told her. And then it was just like quiet. And she goes, how far along did you say you were? 
And I said, uh, 13 weeks, honestly, maybe take away four weeks. I, I, and then I joked, I was like, I rarely track anything. I could have had a period and totally forgot about it. So I could be, you know, minus one cycle, which would be, what is that? Like, um, seven, eight, eight weeks eight or weeks. something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So she said, well, I don't see a 13 week baby in there. Like, just yeah. like that. And I was like, and I didn't even know what to say. I was like, just stunned. And I just said, well, am I pregnant at all? And then she paused and she said, you took a positive pregnancy test, didn't you? And I was like, well, yeah, but like, I, I, I trust blood work and a photo more than I do peeing on a stick. It's like, um, and then I was just so getting so worked up over her like terrible bedside manner. And I understand that, that those texts can't say right. anything. Or they can't I get that. But if you, if I'm going in there thinking I'm 13 weeks pregnant and you are clearly seeing on ultrasound that that is not the case, you don't send me off without a photo, without anything and say, it'll be on your MyChart app. You go get a doctor and tell me right then and there what's happening. And she was just, and I just said, so what, what's going on? And she's like, it'll be on the app. She cleaned me up and she told me to leave. So here I am like ferociously like scrolling my phone, refreshing the app, the stupid health app, like that I have to find my results on. Am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? And it was the day before Thanksgiving and it was late at night. So of course there were no results. And on Thanksgiving, I'm refreshing and refreshing and nothing. So I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I call the OB, um, what is it? Like operator or something. And then they get me to the OB on call. And that was after like, I think four hours of calling. Like I called in the morning, no response, said, hey, I still haven't gotten called back. You said someone would be in touch with me within the hour. It's been four or five hours. And then I get a phone call and they said, hi, um, we've, got, we've got your results. I'm a doctor. I was like, oh, thank God. And they said, so, and I'm like, you, do you, don't, you don't have to go on. You, like, I clearly know what you're going to say. And they're like, I know you don't want to hear it, but we have to legally say everything that's happened or that we think has happened. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, my heart sinks. And um, what had happened was it was um, the sack was like the size of a 10 week sack, but there was no fetal pole. There was no um, yolk sack. There was no, it was just um, empty. So it's like, I made it 10 weeks, but nothing was inside. So it just stopped growing. And um, that's in layman's terms, the best way I can say it. Cause I, I still don't really, fully grasp how that works and what happens in the stages. But I just knew that I wasn't pregnant anymore. And I, and then I was kind of like, well, was I ever pregnant? Like, well, yeah, you were, but it just didn't, it, it didn't grow. It wasn't ever really viable. So, so in it, in hindsight, maybe I'm glad that I never, I had that late ultrasound because I, I never would have gone. I don't know. I never would have gone to, to expect a heartbeat and not hear one, although I did, but I don't know. I'm, I, I go back and forth with how I wish I would have, how I wish things would have happened. Like I'm sure we all do. We wish this, we wish that we wish we would have known earlier. Um, so the, the thing that I, I think I wish would have happened was that um, I would have gotten an appointment earlier, but also um, I would have just tried to become more aware of what the, the quote unquote norm is of, of, 
of what I should be feeling, what should be happening, the, the norm of schedules. But I think because of COVID and everything going on in the hospitals in Michigan, unfortunately, I wasn't a priority. And, and I have a little resentment about that. And I even thought that about the ultrasound tech, like, like maybe, maybe she had this terrible bedside manner. Maybe she was such a jerk because she has been working day and night dealing with this. And I, and I understand. And then I've talked to people and they said, Lauren, that's still her job to be kind and be, to be a good human and to, and to be sensitive in such a, such a tender place in, in your life and your pregnancy. And she wasn't. So um, that was hard because I was trying to excuse it. And I feel like I do that a lot. I excuse things. And I was like, no, I should, I deserved some decency. I deserved some, some human decency in that, in that conversation. I was numb and I, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I guess I'm supposed to call and, and tell someone. So I called and I actually talked to the OB that I was supposed to be paired with, not the one that was on call. And so I went in and she told me my options, let it pass naturally, take a pill, have a DNC, which is um, like a surgically removing all tissues and things mm-hmm. like that. And I remember at the time I was like, just get it over with. I just want the DNC. And then she's like, it's, it's pretty invasive. It's a surgery. We put you under, you know, and I didn't realize, um, I imagined it was just like an annual exam where they kind of go in and, and like swab kind of thing. And she's like, no, we have to, it's more intense than that. And she said, um, you should be okay to pass it naturally. And so I was like, all right, if, if you think that that's fine. So I went home and I think um, two, two and a half, three weeks went by. And I remember I bled for a week, but it was like, it wasn't heavy. It was just like, I don't know, it felt like a period, but not like the one that they say that you would have. I go in for an update and, and they say, um, they said, how do you feel? I was like, well, I bled. That must have, I'm, I'm done, right? And they're like, they checked and like, no. I was like, so frustrated because I just wanted it to be over with. I wanted to be able to physically move on and to know that everything was still there was, I just felt like I couldn't take that step forward. So I said, I said, well, what now? And they said, well, why don't we give you the pills to insert to, um, to force the event, uh, not natural, you know, to force the event. And um, she suggested to take it in your bedtime so you could kind of sleep through it. Um, so I took ibuprofen and I, inserted the pills and that was at 10 p.m and we watched um miracle on 34th street with the little matilda girl i don't know i've always loved that movie it's like my favorite christmas movie um and for those listening my brother and i are jewish um but my my mom is jewish and my dad is what i guess was raised catholic um so we we were fortunate enough to have like a blended family and grow up celebrating all holidays so i love christmas movies so much i was excited to just like relax and lay down and the entire movie I it was terrible I was like doubled over in pain and finally the movie ended and I said I guess I should get up and go to bed and before I did I went to the bathroom and it felt like it felt like my entire inside just fell out like like I I've never experienced that pain that that like it was like I don't, I, I can't even describe it. It just felt like floodgates, just everything fell out, but not just like in liquid form. It felt heavy. It felt like there was like a mass inside of me that fell out, which essentially mm-hmm. there was, there's all this tissue. And I just start sobbing because I, I was just not prepared for what that would feel like. 
um, it was not what they say. They say it's a heavy period with heavy cramping. And that was like, like, it was like my, all my organs and my heart just went with it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, and so I, it kind of like slowed down. I was like, all right. And, and I like put a pad in and I just tried to like rally and get upstairs and go to bed. And I laid down and it was just so excruciating. The cramping was, I mean, it was, I couldn't even call it cramping. I felt like I was being stabbed in the stomach a hundred times over. And I went to go stand up and I almost passed out on, in, on like fell off of a toilet. I was like, something's not right. And, and I looked down and I looked in the toilet and there's just so much blood. Like, I can't, I cannot even describe to you how much blood there was. It was, it was so much right. I had to crawl off of the toilet on hands and knees and I'm on the bathroom floor and I just yell at Chris. I said, Chris, we have to go. You need to get up. And he's in bed and he's like, what, what? And I said, get up right now. We have to go. And I'm literally crawling to the car because I couldn't even stand up. I was so nervous that it would make it worse. And so we get in the car and I wrote, I felt like time stopped. It was like, and I always had this feeling whenever I go to the doctor or hospital that I'm overreacting. And because I felt so numb and like time stopped, I thought maybe for a second, maybe I don't need to go. Maybe it's fine. And I just like was trying to tell myself that was kind of like, maybe I'm being dramatic. And then I, we pull up to the ER and Chris can't go in with me. And I just like, my heart broke. I was because of COVID because of COVID he couldn't yeah. go in. And so he just watches me go in and, and I go up to the desk and they're just so like stoic. And I, I was keeled over, like literally holding my stomach. And they said, what's the problem or what, you know, why are you mm -hmm. here? And I said, I'm having a miscarriage. And I think it's, I think I'm losing a lot more blood than I should. Mm -hmm. And then they said, do they, do you need a wheelchair? And I said, yes. And I sat down and I like, just was so lightheaded. I was swaying side to side. And then from there, it was just like, I mean, I remember so many details and I don't know if I want to go into everything. I mean, I think just the fact that, that I felt so unprepared for what it could be like, I, no one says that it can be this traumatic. And I think the loss obviously is traumatic, but I, I had no idea how physically traumatic it could be. And it was just, I, I just remember being treated just like this, just like a, a patient, but not a human. Like I felt, mm -hmm. I had all these men in the room and I'm like, you don't even understand how I'm feeling. And finally, I remember um, a nurse came in and held my hand when they were trying to suction things out. And I remember um, that suction sound. And I remember the feeling of like when they would catch like a clot and pull it out. And I remember mm -hmm. that suction sounding like, this sounds like the dentist thing that like sucks all the water out when you yeah. go to the dentist. And of course, two months later, I go to the dentist and I have a panic attack because I hear that suction. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I'm so sick. And they're like, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Just keep going and sobbing as they're like sucking water in my mouth. So I'm like, all these things are going through my head. And this, this woman, and she just looked at me and I felt like she like knew, like either she'd been yeah. through it or something, but I was so grateful for her in that moment because she just held my hand because I was gripping oh. the edge of the bed. And I, and it, and I was just, and I think more in emotional pain than physical pain. So at that point, I felt like my body was numb. I, they hadn't given me anything, but I just, I couldn't feel anything. But um, except that pull every time. Mm -hmm. And then like time passes and then they're just waiting for it to stop and waiting for it to stop. And I'm, I'm 
losing so much blood. And they keep asking me um, if I'm okay with transfusions because it's getting to that point where I might need a blood transfusion. So then finally they realized like, this isn't stopping. We can't get it. It just keeps coming. And so they did the emergency DNC and I'm still alone. Um, Chris has not been updated at all. They didn't call him once. They didn't like, so I'm, I'm going through this and I have to call the, pick up the phone and dial him and try and explain what's happening when I'm out of it. I have no idea. So finally the surgery happened. And then um, after I remember them saying my name and asking me my birthday over and over and over again. And I was really out of it. And I think they were worried that, I don't know if they were worried that I wasn't going to make it or they just needed to try and make sure I was with them. But I also remember them saying, it won't stop. It won't stop. It won't stop. Like, and I, I, I didn't have my contacts in or my glasses on because I couldn't see anything. And my vision is terrible. But it was just a blur of what felt like 15 people in the room. And they just kept saying it won't stop. And and I remember telling them, like, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom. And it was because I kept bleeding after the surgery. It mm-hmm. wouldn't stop. And they couldn't figure out why or where it was coming from. They weren't sure if they, like, punctured something. And that's what they said after the fact. Um, finally, they, I remember they gave me a shot in my thigh that stopped the bleeding. But they, they still don't know why I wouldn't stop bleeding. And there was so much blood. And, and um, then after the fact, it was like nothing had happened for them it was like let's get her out and they wanted to discharge me that night they're like are you ready to go home and I look at them and I'm just like I I don't even know if I can stand up you want me to go home so they send me to the outpatient area and I explained to the woman I was like please don't let me go home I can't I'm terrified I'm so scared that something's gonna happen again I just I felt like even though I wanted to be with Chris I felt like I needed to be safe and be close to a doctor because I was just so scared and they were like oh yeah I guess you can stay and I was just like mind blown that they would just like be done and send me on my way after such a traumatic thing like 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 I, I've lost a child I, I had this major surgery I feel like I almost died you guys make it sound like I almost died and you just want to send me away a few, five hours after surgery like okay she's good and I just I was so angry And so then it was just like, I got home eventually and just weeks of just feeling numb, just completely empty. And, and I was so thankful to have you to talk to because um, Anna had told me that you had been through that. And, and I don't know what I would have done without community and family and friends to reach out to. And, and I think my biggest takeaway from this after at now, you know, it's, it's months, uh, not months later, but long enough where I've really had time to work through grieving and I'm still working on it. Um, but I, but the biggest takeaway was that you hear about miscarriage happening. It sometimes rarely, but sometimes gets portrayed in media and films and movies and things like that. But it's such a, a blip in time, even when it is talked about in, 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 in platforms like that, it's, it's never talked about in the full spectrum of, of early losses or late losses or really traumatic ones where you might not even make it. Or it's, it's just always talked about as this happens and then you can have babies after and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And there's never that, that awareness of or that 
what being brought to life that this can really mess you up. Like I, I have PTSD going to the dentist. I had a panic attack because they said just a little poke when they were numbing my mouth to give me a filling, like just a little poke, just a little pressure were like triggering statements. And I mm -hmm. sat up and I said, I need to take a break because I started sobbing. And all these things, seeing I, at the time, I remember counting, I don't know why, I guess to torture myself, that I knew 17 pregnant women and my sister-in-law, Anna being one of them, which was hard. And my cousin had just told me that she was pregnant and I knew a close coworker of mine. She found out she was pregnant 10 days, like a week after I did. So her due date um, is 10 days after mine. And so all of these things were just so triggering. I mean, I, I couldn't leave the house because I was so worried that I would just break down. So I just, I think I just wish, and I think the reason why I wanted to do this and talk about this was because it's, it's so, it's one of those things that has such a stigma that, that you're not allowed to talk about it because I know it makes people uncomfortable, but, but I think death in all cases can make some people uncomfortable, even if they haven't experienced it. You know, I, before this, fortunately, I hadn't lost a lot of people in my life. I lost a close friend a few years ago. Um, and like my great grandma when I was younger, but not, I mean, not something so close to home like this. So it was, it was something that I wish I could have known prior that, that it can take a toll emotionally, physically, spiritually, like mentally, every part of my body was changed forever and will be changed forever. Like, my physical body obviously changed. I like have this postpartum weight that was for nothing. And my mental body, I constantly am battling this, this anxiety, this fear, especially um, being pregnant now again. It's, I remember we were talking and you said, try so hard not to look at toilet paper every time you go to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, right. There's no way. There's no, are you, are you, that was a joke, right? There's no way. Like my anxiety is through the roof daily. I have a neurotic day by day, not kidding you from zero weeks, one day until 42 weeks. Like I highlight each day that I make it through. It's an accomplishment on my calendar. I just have to. And like, I feel like my husband, Chris is like, uh, okay. I'm like, just let me do this. I, I need to safe. know. I need to know. Yeah. Like emotionally, I'm a wreck. I like, I hate that I have this like guilt and this guilt that I feel this way, this resentment, this anger towards people, especially people that it's like, why was I the one in four? Like, why was I that person? What did I do to let me be that statistic? Why did they get to carry this through? And and I hate that feeling. It's gross. I hate feeling resentment. I, but of course, I'm so happy for them. But seeing those people is a daily reminder of what I like, especially the girl that I work with. Looking at her, literally, I would look like that right now. Just ten there, exactly like that. I mean, when she has her shower, is when I would have a shower or whatever, get celebrated or have you know, or when she goes on leave, I would have got, taken a leave. It's all like so in sync and um it's taking me a long time and I think um I just recently felt okay with not okay I don't know if that's the right word I just 
recently started to accept the outcome of what happened. And I remember I hugged her for the first time the other day at work and her belly was between us and I was okay. And I was like, that was such a big step. And um, we're going to, we have like a staff meeting later this week and we're gonna celebrate her and another girl at work that's pregnant. And, I, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to bringing her a gift and I'm getting excited. Um, but then a part of me is angry that, that I'm, I'm almost angry that I'm pregnant now because I wonder if that's the reason why I'm okay with it. Like, I wish I could have gotten there on my own. I wish I could have gotten rid of that resentment and that anger and frustration without being pregnant now. Because so I feel like, I don't know if I would have gotten there. And I touched my about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your performance. So you, you put on this amazing performance about loss. And so it's, you've been working at it, you know, talking. And I, and I think that's, that's so important. And that's like, again, I wish people talked about it more because um, it's, it's, it's frustrating that when people have losses like this, in any kind of pregnancy loss, that it kind of, it it feels like it has to be under the radar. And I remember saying to you, when I told you, and when I told my mom, that she said something along the lines of, um, well, and she she may come after me now after hearing this podcast, but I'll probably bring it up to her eventually. But she said something like, I hope you learned your lesson because I did end up telling people before this, you know, quote unquote, safe zone that 12 weeks or second try or whatever. I told people before the first time I got pregnant because one, I was excited. I was, I wanted to share that. And two, there are people in my life that I feel like if I don't feel well or whatever, and they need to know that I, I want to share that I want their support, especially having dealt with like depression and anxiety for the last few years of my life before I got pregnant, I knew that I needed people in my corner. And so when she said that, I said, and after we did this project, um, I I did this dance project that Sarah mentioned where um, it touches on all forms of loss, um, medical abortion, um, miscarriage and stillbirth. And we created a piece about all these losses just to to start a conversation about it. And my mom was involved in it. and my husband was and our friends and um, it was wonderful and I can't wait to get it out there. And, but when she said, I hope you learned your lesson. I said, did you not understand the whole point of this project? Why should women have to be, and men in, in this, why should any partner that's had a pregnancy loss be alone in their grief or their joy? Why, why should they have to wait until some safe zone that really doesn't exist? Because things can happen at any moment. Well, do you think it's a Jewish thing? Because my mom also said when I told her I was pregnant for the first time after my miscarriage. So my first pregnancy ended up as a loss as well. And I remember telling my mom and she goes, her response was, okay, let's not get too excited. Like it's, it's just this, all right. And, you know, and in Judaism, like, we're not supposed to have the shower, even, right. yeah. even, you know, you're not supposed to give presents. We don't want to tempt the evil eye or no registries. There's no nothing. No, yeah. because we don't, you know, God forbid 
you lose the baby, but then what, as you're saying, what is the mom supposed to do? And the dad or, you know, the, the parents, what, you know, whatever gender they are, um, we're just supposed to like, forget about it as you, you know, like Mm -hmm. not talk about it because I think you're right. It makes people uncomfortable. Right. Our discomfort makes others uncomfortable. And I don't know if my mom, um, because I know when, when Anna, um, obviously we knew Anna wasn't going to, yeah, your sister, Anna wasn't going to have a shower. And I think um, uh, part of that maybe might be the superstition that, um, that is kind of like this tradition in Judaism to not have showers and things like that. I think a lot of it also is just like the state of the world right now. I mean, even people that do openly have showers and they, they aren't either. Um, but I remember my mom was like, oh, but I want to buy things like she, she, I remember she told me she had a shower, her work friends, um, gave her a shower and she had no problem with it. So at least for my mom, I don't think it was a superstition thing. I think it was just that, that, um, her generation being the generation of, we don't talk about this. This wasn't talked about when I was younger. It wasn't, it, it never, it, we don't talk about it. And so I remember even even while we did this dance project, we were doing a, a final run of it um, before we recorded and we invited our like extras to come. And it was the first time I had done my portion of the dance um, full out, which in dance terms, there's marking, which is like, you're kind of like, sort of like half-assing it. <laughs> just like, and I, I remember up to that point, just always marking it because I wasn't ready to like physically move through mm-hmm. everything. So this time I said, well, it's now or never. I need to just do it. So I full out danced. I did everything that um, I thought I was going to do. Some of it was improv. Some of it was set. And then after, I just lost it. I just curled up in a ball on the floor and just started sobbing, like uncontrollably. And my friend Hannah Drusich, who was um, a co-collaborator with this project, um, and my friend Lindsay, who we brought her on to join as well, they just both came and just hugged me and held me. And they were just there for me. And I think I cried for like five minutes straight, just sitting there on the dance floor. And I, I couldn't even look at my mom, but um, but I could tell that sh- there was maybe a discomfort there. Mm-hmm. And maybe because she wished that she could comfort me and she felt like she couldn't, or maybe because she didn't know how to deal with me being so open with my emotions, when usually our parents' generations are a little less open with their emotions in, in whatever sense, you know, I feel like we as millennials are like, let's go to therapy. Let's like, <laughs> emotions. Let's like, you know, and so that was what I was doing right there. And she was just like, I could, I could just feel it. I could feel that she was, it was a lot. Um, and then after that, she said, I don't know if I'm ready to be a part of this, but I support you. And then she did end up coming and, and joining us and being a part of it. But um, I could see how it's just that generation of like, let's not get too excited. Let's like mm-hmm. wait until this safe zone. And I'm like, okay, so is there a safe zone when women are 37 weeks pregnant and, you know, go into early labor and it's a silver? Is there, when is, when is the safe zone over? Mm-hmm. And I know statistically, yes, the, the rate of miscarriage goes down. I do understand that, but that doesn't mean that it goes down to zero. It still happens at any point in a pregnancy. So I don't know I kind of say to hell with this safe zone. And when, if you feel like you need to tell people the minute you find out at four weeks, like I told you, then, then do it. If that's what makes you feel comfortable and, and there shouldn't be any shame 
because then if, if something were to happen, you have those people there that have your back, that can check in at you, that can send you the casseroles just like they would if your grandmother or mother had died. You know, yeah. why, don't, why, don't we, why don't we sit Shiva for things like this? Why is there just move on? What do you think you would have wanted? Because I know in my experience, I got a lot of like, well, at least you weren't further along. At least, you know, now you can go get pregnant. Like, what did you experience from your community that you that you appreciated and that you didn't appreciate? You've spoken about your mom. Did you have friends that you felt like said the right thing or the wrong thing? Um, at the time before I really was diving into how I felt about it, when I was in that kind of numb stage and just still trying to like move through life and, and get over it. I remember when people would say things like that, I just, I knew that it always came from a good place and I never really got upset. But once I, once I, um, yeah, like the things like, at least, you know, you can get pregnant, you know, you're still young, all those things. Like in the moment I was like, Oh, they mean well, it's okay. But once I really was diving into the weight behind statements like that, I was like, Oh, don't say that. Like, that's not what you say. And, and so we talked about that when we were doing this dance project, we talked about those things and, and, and kind of the conclusion that we came to Hannah and myself, who have both, both experienced losses that the point of the project um, and the reason why we um, obviously were both dancers, but aside from that dance is such a wonderful way to share a story because no one has to say anything. An audience mm -hmm. doesn't have to come up with a response. Mm -hmm. They don't have to, mm -hmm. they can just be there and sit and listen and watch and just witness it and then leave. And whether they wanna share something after or not, then that's great, mm -hmm. but they don't have to, it's never expected. And that's why we chose to do the dance project and to showcase our stories through dance because we want people to know that that's what we expect, even if we weren't sharing our story through dance. Even if I were just telling you, this is my story, even if you were saying, this is my story, people, people just, they can just be there and hold space. And a lot of people have a hard time holding space. They feel like they don't have that capacity. And, and if that's you, um, then that's okay. There's, there's ways to kind of step back um, in a kind manner, in a, in a, in a loving manner to say, I'm really sorry for your loss. I wish I could relate or I, I no, no one wishes they could relate. I wish I could say something or do something to make this better, but I'm here for you. And then you could then step back. Mm -hmm. But some people have that capacity to just sit there. Like we are now, like you had, I've been like yapping for 45 minutes and you've just been listening. And some people have that gift to be able to hold space and just be there for someone. And I think that's the greatest thing anyone could do when a loss happens, whether it be a pregnancy loss or a death in a family, is just be there and, and just show support. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to even say, I'm sorry. You don't have to say, you don't have to ask how they are. You can just know, just, just send that text or, or yeah. show up, just say, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. And that's all, that's all, that's all that anyone could ever ask for. But trying to fill that empty space, because if you're not comfortable holding that space and just being there, people try and fill it with like, 
so yeah, why don't what so like how you feeling? Do you want to just like well you're gonna get pregnant again soon, right? So it's fine. Or or um, well why don't we just go out for a drink now that you can drink? I'm like, it's you know, yeah. it's they just try and fill it because they get uncomfortable. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know how I my like you and a lot of my friends. You've experienced loss, obviously, and a, a handful of my friends have, but a lot of my friends, me being 29, it's at least in the Midwest, I talked to my cousin about this who lives in New York, and she's like, oh my gosh, people are barely married at 29 in New York, and I was like, it's different in the med- Midwest, people are married fresh out of high school sometimes, but because I live in the med- Midwest, it's very common that people are, you know, I have people that I went to high school on, they're like fourth, fifth kids at this point, it's, it's very Midwest. And that's okay to each his own. But because of that, I do have quite a few friends that have kids or multiple, you know, more than one, more than two. Um, so they were, they were there in the sense, like, I can't imagine having lost any of my babies. So I'm here for you, which was nice. Um, I don't know how you felt. I don't know if you were like one of the first of your friends to have kids or get pregnant, or if you had friends that had experienced loss that you felt that that made it easier having people to relate to. But I mean, me being kind of one of the last of, of some of my friends to get pregnant, it was so helpful because I felt like if I were alone in this and didn't have anyone to talk to, it would have been way worse. So I don't know what your experience was with, with when you experienced your loss. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of peers. I had a, a select few that were really amazing. Um, I had one really special friend who made me a rainbow quilt. Um, mm-hmm. when I got pregnant again and to say that it's my rainbow baby. Right. Um, but I actually, the funny thing is I reached out to a lot of adults and, you know, because my miscarriage happened at work. Um, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting that almost every woman I talked to had had a miscarriage. Right. We just don't talk about it. Because right. You would have never known. I would have never known. And that gave me a lot of um, encouragement because I saw the strong women who had gotten past it because in the moment, it just feels like my life is over. Not really, but it just is like this deep sadness. Um, And so to see people who have been able to continue their lives and some have children and some decide not to after that experience. Um, it, I, I think I, I just talked about it. Yeah. I, I just kind of was like, I don't really care if you're uncomfortable or not. I'm going to talk about it because I need to. Right. Um, right. And, and that helped. Yeah. That helped I think, I think that, that that still will always be the greatest takeaway to to share even if you you're unsure of how someone will respond whether they're uncomfortable or not just share anyway and but then also approach that conversation not expecting anything not expecting yeah like like okay, now they're going to say the perfect thing that's going to make me feel better. Like, because yeah. of 90% of the time, they're probably not. They're probably going to be like, well, at least you can get pregnant. Just try again. You know, that's usually the response that I got. Um, I actually, it, this makes me think of something. So I had my miscarriage at, at work. Um, and I remember 
you know, without going into all, you know, there's, we could all, like, we all remember probably every second of that experience. But after I went home from work, I called Nate, my husband, and I said, hey, this is what's happening. He didn't come home from work because he didn't know how to handle it. He said, and he's never done that before. It was like 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And he's still not coming home. And I called him crying and I said, where are you? I, I lost the baby and he, he just, he lost it on the phone. And he said, I, I, I don't know how to do this. Right. He just, he, he couldn't hold that space. And, uh, you know, eventually he did come home, but even for the people who are most close to it, um, it's, you just don't, it, there's no, it's hard. So Mm -hmm. how did you, how did you, so like for me now, we talked and me being nine weeks now, what was your experience like in that transit? How long did it, how long did you, what was the time period between your loss and getting pregnant with me? Yeah. So I just had it, my miscarriage happened on my mother-in-law's birthday, April 19th. And I just had my five-year anniversary of it. Mm. Um, I kind of decided after that, I'm going to take a break and really focus on my health and my body. Um, I I think I I had a year where I just was Mm -hmm. trying to eat healthy, you know, work out, do yoga, do the things that we all know make us feel the best. Right. Um, and, and I think within um, a month of trying, I got pregnant again and it was still very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, it, it, it took me a while to be ready to try again. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I was, I was so caught off guard when I found out that I was pregnant again. Like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't not trying. Obviously we weren't using protection, but to be honest, like TMI, but I think I told you this um, earlier. Chris was like, when did we have sex? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I, and I'm like, you know, wait, I don't, how many, and I just could not even pinpoint. I'm like, no, no, I could pinpoint because I literally could remember to the day. Like, I remember it was this day and it just, it was one time because I was, I, it took me. <laughs> God, I it, don't know if they want to hear this. <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah, they could edit it out. But I was just saying like, well, that happened fast. Cause I was just, I was not even, I, I remember after it happened, I was like, I cannot, I can barely even look at myself. Like, I can't, I can't look at my body and the way it's changed. And like I said, like, it felt like what felt like all for nothing. I didn't want anything to, I, I was so detached from myself physically. And I, I was like, how can anyone else be attached to me at this point? I, I'm not even attached to myself. I don't want anything to do with myself. And so when, when we got pregnant, I was like, what? I was just so shocked. Um, but yeah, this takes one time. And I was like, not, not not trying to avoid it, but definitely not trying that soon. Um, obviously I'm glad that I am and I'm excited. Um, 
but yeah, there's that. It's just so soon after. I'm now I'm trying to navigate how do I mesh the healing with being excited for the next step. How, like how I part of me does wish a little bit that I could I could have gone gotten to. I feel like for me for some reason that the way I could pinpoint is I'm fully healed and I put that in air quotes because what does that even mean but the for me I was thinking if if I can go one day without remembering that this happened to me then maybe I'm I'll be okay but I have yet to do that and I think because I got pregnant so quickly after but if I had tried not to get pregnant so quickly and waited a year or six months or whatever Maybe I could have found that day where one day I wake up, I don't remember, I go to bed, I don't remember. And then it just hits me randomly one day, like, oh, right, this happened to me. But I don't know. I mean, do you feel like there are days where you not forget, but it doesn't come across your mind? I mean, now it's been five years. Yeah, I would say the memory has transformed in from something that was more of a hurt to a special place that that baby, um, that baby is always with me. And Mm -hmm. I think that some people find strength in their faith that they say that baby is in heaven. For me, it's just, it's in my heart and my memory and that's how the baby lives on. So I think that now it's, it's, I, I do think of it and I have a similar cohort of babies in my life that mm-hmm. would have been the same age. And I think about that sometimes, yeah. you know, what, what could have, who, who would they have been like? Um, what would they have looked like? Um, you know, but it's more of like a soft memory instead of a, a hurt now, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. takes time. Yeah. yeah. And your experience is, um, still pretty fresh I'm so thankful that that you've been open about your stories to make me feel comfortable to share about a miscarriage and now pregnancy after miscarriage pregnancy after loss it's it's kind of heavy so it's I couldn't thank you enough for being my text buddy and and my friend and my sister in this and I love you for that and I'm so glad that you're with me and you're being that person through telling your story. Other women are going to hear this and other yeah. dads. So 